it's that RuPaul quote, right? Yeah. Like, if you can't love yourself, how can you love anyone else? <laughs> yeah. We have been on a journey this month and we only have two more episodes that focus on the new year elevated you. But sometimes it's incredibly difficult to get your footing right when you're dealing with insecurities and low self-esteem. It impacts every part of your life, personal, social, and professional, and can reduce the overall quality of life. When I first met DJ Brewer, I immediately thought he was cool and fashionable. You ever meet someone and just instantly want to be their friend, but you don't want to be a loser about it. So you just like, don't say anything. Keep it cool, kid. To clarify, DJ is my coworker. He is Hyphen's community engagement coordinator and somehow mastered having an infectious energy, but also comes across with a calm demeanor. So it's not overbearing. He's tall, has a beard and a beautiful smile. But everyone has something they're insecure about that to us, as outsiders, never realize. I would want my friends to only take a forward-facing shot. If there was any profile shots, I'm not doing it. If they got profile shots, it was not on MySpace. It was not on my Facebook. We are keeping things bare this episode and having a thoughtful discussion about self-image. How we perceive ourselves can be completely different from how others view us. We're going to be discussing how comments made from school bullies can carry to your adult life, getting plastic surgery, and how to overcome low self-esteem and shame to be in a place where you're comfortable in your skin. This is Uniquely Milwaukee. It's everything you love about community stories, but more in depth. Giving the stories the time and attention they deserve. Changing perspective one episode at a time. I'm your host, Salam Fathayed, and this is Uniquely Milwaukee, stories that stick with you. So I'm here with you, DJ, and we're going to be talking about 2023. We're going to talk a little bit about your past, your future, who you are, and get to know you. The first big question I'm going to ask is, where are you at right now? How are you? How are you feeling about, you know, who you are in 2023 in your present life? Yeah, we're trying not to do the new year, new me thing, but it's really hard to get away from, right? Yeah, that's <sighs> why we're saying like new year elevated you Ooh, because love that. Love you're a work that. in progress. Love that. Yeah, I think that I'm at a space of reflecting on how I can be the adult my younger self needed oh. and healing possibly childhood trauma and identifying how it's finding its way through my daily activities, whether it's relationship or work or just self-worth. Yeah. So like you as a kid, who was that like? Yeah. yeah. So layered, layered like everyone else, right? <laughs> I'm originally from South Africa, moved to the U.S. in 98, okay. lived in Michigan for 10 years and then made my way over to Wisconsin because of my dad's work. And me as a kid, um, I remember being really excited, my sister and I, when we came home one day and realized that we lost our South African accent mm. and that we sounded like our friends. And so as I reflect on that as an adult, I realize how much I've almost enjoyed assimilation versus individuality and recognizing that there are things that make me unique in my own right and that I should appreciate it a lot more than I have in the past few years. Yeah, it's not crazy. I was born in Palestine. Mm -hmm. I'm Middle Eastern. I lived here for a few years. I grew up here in Milwaukee 
and then went back in sixth grade mm-hmm. until 10th grade. So the uh. big chunk of like who you are as a person trying to uh, develop your identity was overseas in Palestine. Yeah. And then I came back to America on my junior year of high school. And it's insane that you like, you know who you are, but you do assimilate kind of, mm-hmm. or you kind of reject a few things because mm-hmm. you want to fit in. Mm-hmm. And then you go on this path and you realize how troubling that is. Yeah. And the best parts of you are what make you unique and different in your heritage. Yeah. It's like navigating that subculture or the two subsets of the culture that you exist in. And like, I remember telling a friend, I'm like, you know, I'm really happy that I can adapt in the spaces that I'm in and connect with individuals. But I'm also really sad that I know how to do that. Mm, yeah. You said something very interesting when you opened this dialogue and said that you're trying to be the adult that your kid self needed. Yeah. What do you mean about that? Yeah. So obviously moving into a different space and joining a community that did not always look like me or was not always that as diverse. Mm-hmm. Through difference, I think it's an easier appeal for young ones, especially those that are not as mature, to point out your difference. Yeah. And you have the differences that we all have within culture, but then you also have physical appearance differences. A lot of the times when I was younger, and even now, I don't have the strongest profile from a side angle. And a lot of kids recognize that. I also had, like, the ears that, like, stuck out. And they made fun of it. And it really impacted my understanding of my self-worth and how I navigated the world. And it was really difficult. And what I mean by being the adult that my younger self needed is also recognizing that my younger self couldn't articulate the emotions and feelings and even the comfort level to seek out help to better myself and better my self-worth. So it's like this reverse engineering conversation between myself of like, what did I need back then to help me? I don't want to say catch up with where my peers are at because we're all facing different things, but help me be comfortable and competent Mm -hmm. in all aspects of my life, relationship, work, and the professional side of what I do, and then just through daily activities. And as I think about that, I realize how many coping mechanisms I had created for myself Mm -hmm. in order to function on a daily basis. How old were you when you realized your differences like when you started realizing that your side profile isn't as prominent as other people yeah oh gosh this is like through the time of myspace and like so and the reason why i bring it up is because that was a time where we really i think had fun exploring how we expressed ourselves in our own autonomy right through photos and through so i was doing things that no one else was thinking of I would want my friends to only take a forward-facing shot. If there was any profile shots, I'm not doing it. If they got profile shots, it was not on MySpace. It was not on my Facebook. So I was creating this barrier of like what people see to protect my own ego uh-huh. because I knew the difference and I knew that I was still hurt. And I still am hurt with some of the things that I've heard when I was younger. Yeah. Ugh, dude. I kind of identify with that a little bit because I am a little bit obsessed with how people perceive me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to the point where it could kind of get in the way of the moment. Yeah. I just actually deleted all my pictures on Instagram. Really? If you go through Instagram, I don't have any pictures because I like kind of hated the fact that it was very 
particular uh-huh. like and it just it didn't feel authentic yeah. it kind of made me a little sad yeah. and i just kind of want like i wanted to restart like yeah. i wanted to be okay with my face or yeah. okay with my body or okay with whatever like For it was sure. their pictures were too perfect but also imperfect that it seemed kind of cool but they, mm-hmm. you know what i mean like mm-hmm. so i get that completely. i got that feeling too because what like the way that i even recognized it is my way of mm-hmm. remedying it back then and what i mean by that is there are images and photos that I manipulated even before the face tunes are out and the filters were there to make me feel comfortable to even post it. Yeah. And when I go back, I'm like, that's not how I looked in that era. That's not how I looked in that era. Yeah. And now how can I make sure that that's not what I'm doing in this era yeah. of myself? You know, I'm very uncomfortable with my body to mm-hmm. the point where I'm like, I'm not going to date until I have this amount of pounds <laughs> down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because this idea that like, if I'm skinnier, then I'm lovable. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really, it's kind of, it's really fucked up. Yeah. But do I stop myself from acting that way? No. no. Or like specific dating app photos, it'll be just like the, the best. Of, yeah. Yeah. So you said that this kind of like comes up in your own personal life, whether it's like professionally, personal. Yeah. Could you identify like when did it become a problem? Yeah. Like where you're at it's with it It's like right now? the chapter of the book that you like want to be done with and you're not done with. Yeah. And so let me go back and explain that. Like my junior year of high school, I kind of went to my parents crying, saying I'm, I'm fed up with being different. And my mom says, what do you mean? And I said, well... My teeth aren't straight. My ears are a little different. I don't, and I just bawled. And to see my mother start bawling as well, because this is someone that brought you into this world, sees the pain that you are facing, it was really a dynamic situation for my family to like see this vulnerability. And the interesting part was that vulnerability came out after I don't know 15 years of being quiet because I didn't know how to articulate yeah. it. I didn't know how to share it. So the first thing that my parents said was, okay, like, what can we do to make you feel confident? And I said, I want surgery. Like, I just flat up want surgery to fix these things. And so we went and saw ear, nose, and throat specialists. My mom jokingly calls me her million-dollar child because (laughs) of all the things that I wanted to get done. It's costly. And at that time, I remember having a conversation with the doctor, and they were basically saying what you want is two different things. You want cosmetic versus uh, restructuring or the structuring of your profile. And it was interesting because he was an ear, nose, and throat specialist. He was also like, I do see the development of your ears. And he goes, I could do a two for one and like do both while you're under. And I'm like, I laughed. And I'm also like, I'm right here. Like, he's talking to my mom and whatever. He was in good spirits about it. And I ultimately decided to do rhinoplasty and autoplasty my, my junior year. So coming back senior year, I'm thinking like, you know, we all did this thing. Like the summer is my time to like yeah. glow up and come, <laughs> come back, back senior year. So to be like, wow. The um, first time you entered those yeah, doors yeah, yeah. turn heads. Yes. There. <laughs> so that was a moment for me. And I remember that moment of taking the bandage off. You're mm-hmm. recovering for two weeks, a sore and like intensive thing with your family supporting you. And there's that emotional side. And I was happy with it, but the thing with cosmetic or even any surgery, it takes time for it to heal. It takes time for your body to respond, Mm -hmm. all those things. And at the end of the day, it was not cosmetic, it was reconstructive. So it opened my breathing passages, it gave me the ability to have a little more endurance with sports, but it didn't really change drastically my profile. And so with that being the case, there was progress, but not in the way that like I wanted it. 
And I was still happy about being able to do this. I felt very lucky and blessed that my family was willing to do this for me. But it still impacted me subconsciously. Because my self-esteem was so low and my worth for myself was so low in the area of attractiveness, I found ways to fill that void with things that don't really fill it. Mm -hmm. Meaning I was in relationships that were not supporting of my personal growth and was not allowing me to highlight my strengths and my beautiful things that I bring to relationships. And a lot of the times it was at a surface level thought process of like, wow, this person is really attractive. I don't know how they find me attractive because my self-worth is so low, but they do. So I'm going to stay in this. And that's that coping mechanism I'm talking about. You continuously do this in a way to, to fill that void. And one of the things you're hearing it here first, guys, I'm a full book, completely open. I found myself in a relationship that I operated that way. But I also knew that it wasn't the relationship for me to also be in. And I ultimately ended up hurting someone very bad because I didn't have the confidence and the knowing and the self-worth to identify you are a great person that deserves love Mm -hmm. and love that I can't give you. It's that RuPaul quote, right? Like, if you can't love yourself, how can you love anyone else? (laughs) And when I realized that, I was like, wait a minute. It's time to really step back and make some changes. So one of the first things that was apparent to me was not date for some time, hang out with myself. The other thing was... There is some messaging that my body and mind is willing to receive that had happened in the past. And then there's also messaging that I want to avoid and to protect my ego and myself, my body is rejecting. Mm -hmm. And I need to sit with that and kind of acknowledge it. And know factually, yes, I do look different, but it has nothing to do with my Mm self-worth. And as I navigate that, I move into a space of, How do I separate the two? Meaning, what can I do to reaffirm messaging that I may not always get outwardly? I may not get it in media. I may not get it just through friends or saying stuff like, oh, you look really great today. And that led to, I need to affirm myself. So some of the things that I do in the morning is affirmations, body affirmations, looking in the mirror and saying, you know, I like how my hair looks today. I like how I'm expressing myself in my outfit today. I like my laughter today. And it really changes kind of what we do naturally is a negative looping. It adjusts that. And it stops it in its tracks and it says, this is what I'm going to focus on. And my mom would always say, your lips will sink your ship. Meaning if you say this, it will end up that way. And so if you're constantly stuck on the negative things that you don't like about yourself, you're always going to be in that environment. You're always going to be stuck to it. And then you get to that point that we always do. If I lose the weight, if I get the surgery, my life will be perfect. You do it and nothing changes because it's always been in the mindset. And you haven't done the work internally. So that's kind of identifying how I can be the adult my younger self needed by encouraging myself to find those self-help books. I mean, I'm reading them to find those spaces where I could talk about it. And I'm very fortunate to have found a partner that I could share this with and has always been affirming of my experience and my emotions and has never made me feel bad that this is how I've seen and viewed life. 
Coming up next, we will continue this unapologetic conversation with DJ. And later, he's going to be taking over as the primary storyteller and share with us a poem. He really did take starting the year off being open to another level. You don't want to miss it. Support for 88.9 comes from your membership and the Greater Milwaukee Foundation. Through the Greater Together campaign, the foundation and community work together to build a thriving Milwaukee for all. Partnership ideas at greatermilwaukeefoundation.org. Hey, Radio Milwaukee family, you tune in to us and now we want to tune in to you. From now until February 17th, we'd love for you to spend a few minutes taking our listener survey. Your responses will let us know what you dig about what we're currently doing and give us feedback on how to make it even better. As an added incentive, all complete responses are entered to win a $150 gift card to Black Shoe Hospitality Restaurant. You can find our survey online at Radio Milwaukee or hyphen.org. You know, I do want to talk about beauty perception because I'll speak about myself again. Mm -hmm. I'm a Middle Eastern woman. There's an Mm -hmm. idea of what a beautiful Middle Eastern woman looks like. I have some qualities that fit there, Mm -hmm. but not all. So I think like there's this idea of how I need to be and who I am. So I'm trying to work on this year for 2023 is more Mm self-acceptance because I am the biggest critic. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that because of my fear of being perceived or being perceived in a way that I'm not accepting of, like Mm -hmm. I want to be perceived in the way, like the artificial version of myself Mm -hmm. that I hold myself back from doing things. I don't put myself out there romantically I don't engage in certain activities that will make me look stupid whatever it may be so I'm trying to get to a point where I'm okay with how I look even if I like I don't want to be like this forever but like accepting for sure in order to I don't know just like live life live life yeah (laughs) and not just like I was thinking about it I was like I wonder just like how much I could actually get done if Uh, I wasn't just overthinking it (laughs) so I'm just wondering like do you feel that way as a man, like a certain type of like version of who you're supposed to be in oh your gosh. own culture, in your own community? It's layered yeah. because obviously the South African culture and heritage is within a society has a way of which a man should be, which is like a whole nother story because I subscribe to the LGBTQ community. Mm. And so that's a layer. Yeah. But if I could bring it back to like mainstream beauty, I remember going back home to South Africa in 2014 and seeing models in like high end stores that look like me. And it gave me the sense of like, oh, like I do look different. However, I could potentially do something here. Yeah. And the market and society would respond. And when I left South Africa, I realized, and people say it now too, you may be a one in Wisconsin, but you are a 10 in (laughs) Miami because our perceptions are different in the environment that we're in and Mm -hmm. the way that media shows what is hot and what's not. And I think the beautiful thing right now is um, in society, we're challenging that, Mm -hmm. right? And I know that social media can have its negatives, but I think the positive is that we have people that are advocating for our beauty and our things that are different and advocating for us to love the things that make us different on that individual portion of it, which has allowed a community and a following to say, yeah, no, I subscribe to this. Like, this Mm -hmm. is how I feel. I'm so happy. But 
I want to go back to something else that you said. Like, isn't it insane how we view ourselves and our beauty like affects other things, right? Like, I want and desire to go into a social setting mm. or participate in something. I realized two things that I'm working on. One, I love to be in control. And <laughs> two, the second thing is I don't always put myself out there. Yeah. And the reason why is the control one is for all my life, I was pushing and shoving and being in denial of something that I was not ever in control of. Mm-hmm. When I came to this world, this was the body that I was given And this is the world that I have to navigate and the cards that I have to play. And I have to let go. Mm -hmm. And when I do that, that desire to control things removes itself from other areas in my life, professionally, in relationships. The other thing is that perfection side. Yeah. I don't have to be perfect. Rather, I should sit in my imperfections and appreciate it because I don't know. Someone else could feel the same way that I'm feeling and hear the story, which is why I'm happy to be vulnerable about it and be like, I'm not alone. So where do you feel now? Where do I feel now? It is a back and forth. And I want to share that because when we were having this conversation, Salam, I said that I was, you know, going to get a consultation for surgery. And it was, I remember the date, I was like, again, it's the 28th of December. So like, if it does work come January, I will be a completely different person. It'll be enough time. It didn't work out. I went and I asked if, do I qualify for derma fillers, which is the things like the Kardashians are doing where it just fills in. And I was like, this has to be it. Like, it's cheaper. I have to be a candidate. It lasts for two years. And I remember mentally preparing myself to hear the word no. And how was I going to respond to it? And I went to it and it was a no. And it was a no for multiple reasons. The doctor shared with me, in order for us to do this, we would have to do that. In order for for that to happen, it would be this. And he kind of went down the, and these are the things that could happen if your body rejects it. And I heard that and I'm like, This is a lot of money, this is a lot of time, and this is a lot of, like, a lot of things to my mental and emotional well-being. And I went back to, is all this worth it? I stepped out of that consultation, and I looked at my partner, and I said, I don't think this is part of my journey. As much as I want it to be, I don't think it is. And my journey is about how I can appreciate that imperfection my journey is about how i can be vulnerable about my journey is about how i can overcome one thing i'm overcoming right now is and i shared this with austin every time i walk and cross the street you know you always have those cars that are like waiting for the light to go green Mm -hmm. what i will always do to protect myself and my ego is this is crazy to me too I always look the opposite direction of where the car is facing. Why do I do this? Because this internal fear and like this life experience of hearing kids laughing at me says that if I allow people to see my profile for what it is, they in their car can be laughing. I could be the butt of the joke. I could be the reason why I look at their car and they are laughing. Mm And so I choose to build that coping mechanism to look away to protect myself. 
One of the things that my mom has always shared, and I'm, you know, as we get older, we are more keen to listen to our parents, is it's not your business what another person thinks yeah. of you. And let me tell you why. It's not your business of what another person thinks of you because what they think of you is based off their life experience, the challenges and adversities that they are facing. And half the time, it has nothing to do with you and it has more to do with themselves. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned that you cried to your mom when you were in your junior year because you wanted to get surgery. Mm -hmm. What was that like? Because I think my mom is the most beautiful woman, mm -hmm. but I don't like how I look. Mm -hmm. And we look very, very similar. Mm. But it's weird because I feel like I don't think it's my features mm -hmm. that are bad. Mm -hmm. I think it's just my perception of myself mm -hmm. because I've been through some trauma mm -hmm. where I've been told yeah. things. And now I'm hearing it in my own voice because sure. you hear it in your head. Yeah. Do you look like your mom? Was that like hard for you to share with your yeah. family? Like what did that conversation look like? And do you guys still talk about this? Till yeah. This day? So I look like my mom and my dad, but they don't have the characteristics or features that I do. Okay. So like I'm just different. I'm the different one in my family. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I am the star. No, just kidding. Yes. Um, but I do remember, for, like I said, for my mom, it was difficult because... In one of the consultations, my mom asked the question, like, what could do this? And I realized the actual question she was mm -hmm. asking. The actual question she was asking is, did I do anything in my pregnancy yeah. that did this to my son? And, like, there's two different parts of pain. There's mm -hmm. the pain that I had and then the pain that I could see my mom had. I'm getting emotional. I think the biggest thing that I can do is just like leave it to be factual. There is a difference. I do look different, but that difference doesn't define my self-worth. Yeah. And that's the biggest connection. The difference does not define my self-worth and my ability to do things. And I leave people to handle their own business. Yeah. Because it's not mine. So it's 2023. Is there something that you want to work on in 2023 in regards to this? Yeah. So one of the things that I've come to realize is when you're going through something like this, the support may be there. It may not be there. And also it's kind of our duty and obligation to create an environment for ourselves that provides consistent support. And for me, I realize that that's journaling. So I need to pour out my emotions, pour out my thoughts, pour out how the day went. And then, you know, by chance, if my partner has that space and capacity to listen, great. But I also have to recognize that my partner also has their own journey. Right. And I need to respect my partner's capacity, too. And so that's one thing. Another thing, too, is like just having the opportunity to be more vocal about this and share it. And then like the last thing is the affirmations part. I have an idea that I would really like want to bring to fruition, but I'm like mapping it out. So if you're <laughs> listening to this, you know that the idea started here off of this conversation. Um, and if it does happen, you guys would be the first to know. <laughs> Great. There's this thing called lucky girl syndrome. Have you heard about it? No. It just came out like New Year's. It's like you say affirmations, like everything works out for me. Yeah. 
everything just like works out my favor. I'm so uh-huh. lucky. I'm so uh-huh. lucky. And just like saying that you start believing it, then things you start realizing the positive yeah. instead of all the negative. So yeah. I'm trying to work on that. But I completely, I've took in writing more creatively or more personal writing, more journaling in 2022. And it has been so therapeutic and so fun and just... It's just, it's nice to have a private outlet where you could just let it all out there with no shame. I remember when I was younger, I used to journal, but mm-hmm. it would be in code. Yeah, yeah. So now it's kind of interesting to look at it as an adult perspective and just have no shame. With There's something about thoughts. the paper to pen where yeah. if you're really pouring it out and you let yourself mm-hmm. be vulnerable, your mind catches up to your hand versus mm-hmm. your hand catching up to yeah. your mind. Just to close it up, you're going to be reading a poem. Can you give us a little perspective on what's it about? I went to WCTC, what's up, Waukesha Technical College, and they were doing a like a slam poetry type of event, and I've never done one. I was watching a lot of them. And again, to the space of writing, I said, I'm going to try this out. And every time I saw someone do it, it was evoking emotion. They were talking and storytelling and pouring out things that we often want to keep in. And I took that moment to write this poem because the poem has angst. The poem questions the person listening. The poem questions myself. The poem allows me to kind of just have that mic drop moment that like you always want to have when you walk away from a, like a confrontational thing. You're like, I would have said this if this, and I'm, that's what this poem is. Mm-hmm. Flatface. That's the name deemed to me by two little boys giggling on the bus seat behind me. My age? Probably about six or eight. I remember this day vividly. It is what turned being bullied and teased into a mind-numbing reality. Giggles and laughter haunting me down the hallways, whispers calling me to be anxious, causing me to feel angry. I am no other name but Flatface. This memory resides between the ages of 16 and 18, which is parallel to the time frame of being in high school, the place where it was cool to dress in a hint of Abercrombie and Fitch and act like the toughest bitch. So I did. Thinking this alteration would alter my luck of being stuck with the name Flatface. Ironically, it did not. So I changed my ways and added piercings to the mix, but that too did not alter the view of the person looking and giggling across the room, whispering Flatface. See, by this age, 16, I became so good at picking up when I was the focus of someone else's burn book, I could sense it miles away. I was so good, some days I took a detour, so that for one second I could feel the pain no more. But sadly, I still did. So I catered to the pain by manipulating it so clearly seen on my wrist, but here's the twist. It did nothing but remind me that I am nothing but someone else's laughing key that they use to lock up and mask their own physical dissatisfaction using my flat face was their distraction to their own problems. 
I realize this bullying game is nothing but a cycle. A game of he said, she said, they said, shh. Dude, he must have got hit by a basketball or something. Sorry. Flashback. I promise to keep my rhymes on track. But just to let you know, one in 12 students attempt to end their life, and that's a fact. And if you're sitting in your seat saying you're lying, I've got proof. I am one of 12 sitting in this room. But <clears throat> let me clear up this room silence with a question. Have you ever heard the phrase, think further than your nose? If so, I encourage you to do so, just in case. But then again, what do I know? I'm just a flat face. There can be so many different sources for low self-esteem. For DJ, it manifested from his childhood and it can be exhausting and can lead to depression and anxiety. So if you're someone that's dealing with this, know that you're not alone. In the spirit of sharing, one of my biggest goals for 2023 is to be in a place of acceptance and to overcome my low self-esteem. And although I'm not a doctor, but if you're feeling like this is strongly impacting your life, then consider getting guidance from a medical health professional. But I did wanna end this with a few tips that helped build my self-esteem and we do not gatekeep on this podcast. Here are three things that I've been doing that really has helped me. The first thing that I did was I focused on my positives. I identified some good qualities and strengths that I have. I said that I'm a good writer. I care deeply about my friends. I like to foster community. Physically, I really like my eyes and my eyebrows. It seems childish, but I did make a list and it made me feel good about myself, which leads me to my second point. It's okay to feel good about yourself. It doesn't make you vain. So truly feel those compliments, really feel them when they're given to you and don't shut them down. I'm still working on this. I actually went out with a few friends and someone was like, you look really pretty. And I immediately responded with really? So it's a work in progress, but I am working on it. And one last tip, which is a reference to our first episode is to set a realistic goal, whether it's to you know be in a new sport or learn how to cook a new meal challenge yourself and when you accomplish it you're going to be proud of yourself i can't believe we only have one more episode to get through before we wrap up this mini series so here's a sneak peek for next week's episode so and it was pregnant with me i was i was the child yes uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes um you were the product of that pregnancy so i mean what happened next well at that point uh my father was sick and had gotten sick shortly after i had you so i really had no family support my mother had passed away before i had you so at that point my dreams of being a chemist were put on hold and i decided to uh had to stay home and take care of you so, and I had to get a real job and try and figure out how to navigate the world as a single parent. This is your host, Salam Pathayad. Thank you to Nate Imig, our executive producer, Kiri Salinas, our audio production manager, Brett Krasgowski is our web editor. Thank you to our marketing team led by Sarah Lar. Graphics and our wonderful logo is made by Aaron Bagata. Our community engagement coordinator is Mallory Wallace and Dan Reiner handles our social media accounts. And a big, big thank you to our city loving members for making Uniquely Milwaukee possible. If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast 
podcast and tune in next week for the next episode of Uniquely Milwaukee.